You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. ABC Tonight. Special Agent Will Trent. Judge Bureau Investigation. I told him I'd bring my best. Will sees things that no one else does. Based on the New York Times bestselling series. But why Will Trent? He's good police and he's objectively hot. See crime. Put out an Amber Alert. There's a kidnapping. Through his eyes. He read that crime scene like it was a book. Ramon Rodriguez is. I'm a pretty observant guy. Will Trent. Series premiere tonight, tonight central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to Fan Theory Queries, where we analyze fan theories from all over the internet, but mostly Reddit. I'm Laura. I'm Michael. And I'm Spencer. There's this little movie coming out soon. It's called Jurassic World Dominion. Never heard of it. <laughs> um, it's the third Jurassic World, right? And I have seen one. And I've <laughs> seen some of the original Jurassic Parks. But anyway, to honor that release and to ride the wave of dino popularity, we're going to do a theory. I'm going to do a theory from Jurassic Park, the original movie. All right, laid on us. It's kind of long, but I'm going to read it so interestingly that you're not even going to realize how long time passed. The theory is called... The reason John Hammond objects to putting the Lysine contingency into effect after the dinosaurs got loose. Do y'all remember when this happens? That the, the dinosaurs get loose and everyone's like, no, oh, Lysine contingency. And he's like, no. Anyway, yeah. well, I'll refresh your memory through this theory. This is from author Mr. Lonely Wolf. Now, this theory relates to the films only. The books reveal more detail about the Lysine contingency. So ignore that if you've read any of those. In the original Jurassic Park, after the systems have failed and the dinosaurs are loose, Muldoon suggests to Hammond they put the Lysine contingency into effect, a failsafe that essentially wipes out all dinosaurs on the island. As Ray Arnold explains, Dr. Wu inserted a gene that makes a single faulty enzyme in protein metabolism. The animals can't manufacture the amino acid lysine. Unless they're continuous supply with lysine by us, they'll slip into a coma and die. Hammond angrily opposes this idea. That is absolutely out of the question. And instead insists they try to reboot the system. Even though Ray states that it's never been done before. This seems to be the bad answer to a no-brainer. Regain safety by using an infallible genetic level failsafe or attempt a dodgy reboot after finding out the system architect is a criminal and hacker. So why does Hammond make this decision? It could be one of urgency. Ray tells Dr. Sattler it would take seven days for the animals to slip into comas, and Tim and Lex are still missing at this point, and people are dying. This is unlikely, though, as he asked Muldoon to go and save his grandchildren anyway. It's more <laughs> likely, however, that people interpret his decision, as this person did, as a philanthropic and humanitarian one. Hammond not wanting to extinguish his work, and perhaps more importantly, the lives of these creatures he's helped bring back from extinction. He earlier tells Gennaro, everyone in the world has the right to enjoy these animals. However, I think his reasoning for opposing the golden bullet method is simple. There is no lysine contingency, and there never was. Gasp. Hmm. The biggest piece of evidence for this is the fact that dinosaurs survive and thrive after the abandonment of Jurassic Park, no longer receiving lysine from the people there. This is the clearest indicator that the whole thing was a sham. But it is meant to be just another example of Dr. Malcolm's life finds a way speech just as some dinosaurs managed to change sex in order to reproduce. We know that Dr. Henry Wu, despite seeming good in Jurassic Park, is actually a bit of a bad guy. In Jurassic World, he's condemned for his crimes against nature, and we find out that he secretly corroborated with engine military to create dinosaur soldiers. And we see him escaping Jurassic World with embryos. Bear in mind... Ray says, Dr. Wu inserted a gene. We are meant to believe this corrupt scientist engineered this precaution, probably at considerable effort, cost, and complexity. As is recounted multiple times in the film, Hammond hates lawyers, even going as far to call Gennaro a blood-sucking lawyer to his face. Indeed, lawyers are the whole reason for him recruiting Grant and Sattler in the first place, begrudgingly needing expert opinions to continue to receive funding from his critical investors. He also seems to despise all aspects of the legal process and all the exhaustive amount of safety conditions he's had to satisfy. Running line throughout the film is Hammond stating, No expense spared. Ironic because he's shown to have spared a lot of expenses, most notably underpaying Nedry and making him want to smuggle embryos to another company for money. The catalyst for the downfall of the whole park. 
Between Hammond's cost-cutting, his hatred of the legal process, and Wu's capability for malicious intent, it is perfectly reasonable to assume that the two of them were capable of falsifying this contingency in order to satisfy the lawyers and investors behind Hammond's part. Hammond couldn't get away with not building fences and concrete moats, but he could get away with forging some invisible DNA base fail-safe to better satisfy the people analyzing the park's safety and be able to open quicker. Too long didn't read. Summary. The lysine contingency, a genetic level safety precaution that enables dinosaurs to die if not fed a specific amino acid, never existed. Dr. Hammond and Dr. Wu were jointly responsible for falsifying this measure in order to save money and satisfy the various lawyers and investors concerned with the park's safety more quickly. Okay, so a lot of that information. That was a doozy. There. It yeah, was. That was a big one. But he brought in everything he needed to support his theory. So I appreciate True. that. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like there's, I actually did, I think it cut a little bit out of it just to make it shorter, but yeah, it was a little bit longer. So this was interesting. I don't recall, I mean, I've seen the movie several times and um, there are no like memorable moments in my mind of sticking out that saying, him saying no, no lysine contingency or whatever. Does that stick out? Like Michael, have you seen the film a lot? I don't, Laura, you've seen it like once, right? Yeah, I've only seen the first one one time. I I have seen the first one probably 10 to 15 times over the years, yep. but it has been a while since I have mm -hmm. seen it. So I'm just trying to remember if there really is a point where he says that or not. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, to me, that was never like a a major plot point yeah, as far as like think that mattered to me watching the movie. Yeah, I mean, I to me, it's like, it this is... Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I would think that if it was meant to be something really major and big, that they would have made a bigger deal about it. And I, I would remember it because mm -hmm. I can remember the big plot points and stuff, but I just don't mm -hmm. remember a lot about this. So what makes me think about is like, as a viewer, knowing that this park is going down and that things are just going to get worse, I guess I just yeah. assume that it just kind of doesn't stick in my mind because, okay, there's not really any options here. People are just going to die and get eaten. I'm not sitting in the back of my mind. Okay, guys, let's go through our list of things that we could do to possibly save the day here. Oh, what about mm -hmm. that lysine contingency? So it's not really something that that's caught in my mind, which makes for an interesting theory because it was just something to revisit and uh, to think about. So, Laura, with yes. this particular thing, with you having only seen the movie once, thinking about the characterization of Hammond, do you think he's the kind of guy that would do something like this? Which one's Hammond? <laughs> he's the old guy. Welcome he's, he's to Jurassic that, Park. Yeah, he's the one that made the park. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Which is something he should have said whenever they actually got to the park instead of three or four hours after they've been there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> anyway. Okay, so do I see him? What was what were What was your question? So, like, obviously, you, you didn't read the book. So, just based on your memory of that character, does he seem like the kind of guy that would do something like that? That would make up something just for the sake of getting it past the lawyers? I can see him doing it, but not for the reason that you're saying is, like, getting past the lawyers. He, he was purely motivated by wanting to make these creatures accessible to the public. And so... He was in as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And so I don't see it as a, like a malicious reason why he did it or um, that he was intentionally like, we'll fool them and make them think we have this thing. It was really just a, but I really want to get this available now. Mm -hmm. So let's just, let's just fudge the paperwork here a little bit and, and we'll make sure we take care of that at some point. But for right now, I just want to get this going. Do you think that's solely from like, the goodness of his heart that he wants to share these dinosaurs with people or is he like wanting to get people in there quickly to make money? I do think he wants to get people in there to make money. Okay. Hmm. Michael, what about you? The characterization of Dr. Hammond, is this kind of doable? I, I kind of fall on the opposite side of what Laura just said. I see Hammond as just like this adult kid <laughs> who's just so excited about dinosaurs and bringing them back. <laughs> And he's so excited about it that he wants to share them with everyone. I don't think, I mean, I think he's at the point in his life where he doesn't, like money is not really an object for him. So he doesn't really care about making more money. He's willing to drop as much as he did to, to build this park and make all this stuff happen. So mm -hmm. I, I personally feel like he, 
he just was so excited about his new toys that he made and he wanted to share them with with everyone and mm-hmm. that could be a possible reason for him to push things along faster yeah let's see first of all i want to point out that one of the first options that he's given other than the licensing contingency is trying to reboot the system so it's just kind of funny to me it's like even back then did you try rebooting it as the first <laughs> did you turn it off yeah <laughs> and turn it back on yes <laughs> yeah so i don't know anything about amino acids and lysine or anything but what i find interesting is i mean i think there's a good whether or not he this thing exists the point that it would take seven days for the animal animals to actually slip into a coma and right. the urgency is like now mm-hmm. i mean even if they did the lysine contingency, it wouldn't solve the current problem. So I could see that being just a legit reason why he didn't want to do it. It'd be a lot of wasted time and money and dead animals. And yeah. the people he's trying to rescue may be dead by that seven days anyway. So yeah, true. I don't see there really being a, a huge like contradiction there as far as like him being so adamant that, that for that reason because it doesn't even exist. Right, that's what I was going to say was because the, the whole theory is just based on the fact that it's not even real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and he never did it in the first place. So uh, I think what's weird, are there no like safety emergency bunkers on this island for them to go into in case this happens? Did they never plan? Well, go ahead, Michael. You probably see the movie. I was just going to say, from from my understanding, I, I have not read the books, so it may go into more explanation in the books. So if any of our listeners know, let us know if I'm wrong on this, but... I feel like just from what I saw in the movies that the facility where they were when where Ned was working and stuff and the way that they had those doors to where they could lock them down I feel like that part was meant to be like the safety bunker the the place like where the they go if things thing. go yeah if they go wrong and everybody was just meant to retreat down there I didn't think that they I I felt that they didn't think that it was penetrable by the dinosaurs, but they just didn't take into account the fact that raptors are super smart. So that's how the raptors got in. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, you'd think that it's one of those situations where you have to have all all possible scenarios planned for. Yeah. And they didn't plan for a IT guy going rogue. Never mess with Mm. the IT guy, right? Nope. Yeah. Nope. Um, We've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to read a couple comments here. So this is from Peter Townsend. I'm assuming the one from the Who we're gonna, browsing we're Reddit and com- the actual Pete Townsend commenting on fan theories for Jurassic Park. So this person says, "In the Lost World, the movie, it is explained that the reason the dinosaurs didn't die from the lysine contingency is because they were getting their lysine from plants on the island. The herbivores would eat lysine-rich plants, and the carnivores would eat the herbivores." This explanation actually fits with how Dr. Sattler kept on talking to them about how they didn't know what kind of plants they were using in the island. I'm not saying this disproves your theory, just stating the reason given in the films. Hmm. So yeah, they're right. I mean, that doesn't disprove the fact that there may not have been a lysine contingency. Right. But it does give a good reason for them still being able to survive without the lysine. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then the reply to that was from the OP said, true, I hadn't made that connection with what Sattler said about the plants. Thanks for the comment. As I said in another comment, though, this isn't something she tested and analyzed on a dinosaur personally. It's just an observation that fits with what she's been told about the dinosaurs and lysine. Hmm. It's a little bit of a counter there. Hmm. And then the other comment I have is from JC less than three from a genetics perspective. So here we go. Here's the scientific explanation. I love these. Yeah. Yes. Creating a lysine-dependent organism is trivial. All you need to do is disrupt one of the genes in the pathway for synthesizing that particular amino acid. Osotrophs have been known about since the 1940s, and the genetic technology in the films could easily have been used to create a lysine contingency. So, there's that as well. I don't know what Casey's trying to say there. (laughs) I think they're just saying that it could have been made. I don't know. I I, I think it it is actually a thing that could happen. Yes. Yeah. That's all that I gathered from it. Yeah. Yeah. But Daisy isn't saying for or against the theorizer. Okay. In the grand scheme of things, I don't think it really matters because like we talked about earlier, if even if he had enacted this thing, 
that may or may not have existed. It wouldn't have saved anybody. But it is an interesting you know, aspect to that character of Hammond, mm-hmm. what he's willing to do to get his goals accomplished. Is he willing to yep. put you know, certain things at risk and lie about them just so that he can either share dinosaurs with the world or make a bunch of money, whatever. I totally see Hammond would definitely like Scrooge McDuck style dive into <laughs> a pool of money <laughs> that he makes from Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes, I, I could see that. He just needs to switch out the glasses for a monocle. That's all we yeah. need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Does anybody have anything else to add to this? No. No. Nope. Okay. Well, I think it is time for us to rate this theory. Michael, that was really high pitched. Michael, Michael, <laughs> why don't you explain our rating scale real quick? The highest rating that we have is genius. This is reserved only for the best theories, which we believe are better than the actual canon. The next step down is plausible. It's a good theory, you know, it's believable. The next is unlikely. Not a terrible theory, but like the name says, pretty unlikely. And then last thing is preposterous. These are the theories that are just stupid. Basically, we're all dumber for having listened to them. Okay, so I'm not feeling dumb. Are you feeling dumb, anybody? I mean, there's a lot of science stuff being thrown around there. Lysine, amino acids. No, I'm able to keep up. Okay. So I'm going to come to you, Michael. What are your thoughts on this theory? What are you thinking as far as rating goes? Um, I think that there was a lot of good evidence. I personally would just like to believe that Hammond's a good person and that he actually would have put those precautions into play. And then the reason he chose not to use them was what, what we were saying earlier, that if he did, it wouldn't matter because it would take forever to save the people and they would be dead by the time it worked anyway. So I'm going to give this one an unlikely. Okay. All right. Laura, what about you? I'm going to agree with Michael on this, that it's unlikely, although I could see like him and having some ulterior motives there. I do believe that in the end, if he really wants to make money, you have to do it by the book or you can get slapped with a lawsuit that would cost you even more money. So and as old as he is, I would expect he's probably pretty experienced and would have known, Okay, yeah, don't mess with the legal system. And so he would have stuck to the rules and had the lysine contingency in play. However, like we like we've said, that would have taken too long, and it was the plants that keep them alive. Mm-hmm. So I will agree, mm-hmm. unlikely. So there's evidence, but it's really a characterization evidence and nothing beyond that. So he's saying Hammond doesn't like lawyers, and he hates the legal process, and all this these things he doesn't like. But there's no other evidence of him doing anything else really to skirt the law, you know, at least that I can recall, or that this person points out this is mainly just his opinions and thoughts on the legal process and lawyers. So I don't think that's enough really to just say, oh, well, since he hates that, he just didn't even make this thing to begin with. So I'm going to say unlikely as well. I, I don't think it's plausible. And if you do go on and look at some of the comments that people posted based off of the book and the books, then there is very much so a Lysine contingency. But since we're still basing this just on the movie, I'm still going to say it's unlikely. Cool. So there you go. Dr. John Hammond, for all your faults, I still uh, believe in you. Oh, um, Michael, I have a question for you. Okay, shoot. Do you like to wear clothes? Uh, yes. Do you like hats, coffee mugs, and teddy bears? Hats and mugs, yes. I guess when it comes to teddy bears, though, I'm kind of indifferent. Well, Laura has great news for people like you, as well as human beings who actually have a heart. That's right. Now we are selling Fan Theory Queries merchandise. Head to fantheoryqueries.com slash merch for a large selection of t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, bags, caps, and yes, even teddy bears. There are several designs to choose from to show off your Fan Theory Query fandomship, like quotes for previous episodes, our logo, and other fun designs. So check out the shop, buy something cool, and you'll be supporting the show's future and our children's college tuition. So the next theory is from MNM0412. And they say that in a Goofy movie, that Goofy actually does know Powerline, 
Max just doesn't know that because he's not making time for his dad. So they say, if you've seen a Goofy movie, you'd know that a large portion of the plot hangs on the fact that Max told his crush Roxanne that Goofy was taking him to L.A. for a concert by musician Powerline, with Max also claiming that Goofy knows Powerline personally. Of course, this is a lie on Max's part to cover the fact that his dad, whom he perceives to be as lame, was taking him on a fishing trip. That said, I think the chances that Goofy does know Powerline are actually greater than we realize. First off, there's a throwaway line referencing Donald Duck, who Max refers to as Uncle Donald. We see later Donald attempting to hitchhike. And who's with Donald? Mickey Mouse himself. Now, we know, or we don't know much about Mickey in this movie since he's not a major character, but since there's a Mickey Mouse phone in the movie, it's safe to assume Mickey is famous here. So, to reiterate, a man, Goofy, is close enough with what he's considered an honorary uncle to Max is casually shown on a road trip uh, with a celebrity, and since Mickey seems to be waving at them during the song sequence where Goofy and Max passed him, it can be inferred that Mickey knows them too. Now, since I know Goofy knowing one celebrity isn't enough to say that he knows another, so here's another piece of my evidence. Why was Powerline so okay with Goofy and Max just coming up on stage unexpectedly? Think about it. Goofy and Max essentially snuck into the concert and onto the stage, and Powerline just keeps performing like nothing's going on. <laughs> I mean, which which performers do you think would actually do that without security having them tackled? So my theory is basically that the reason for this is that he realized that the two people who came on stage were in no way dangerous because one was a minor and the other was a familiar face. So why didn't Goofy ever tell Max that he knows one of the biggest pop stars in the world? Max never gives him a chance to tell him stuff like that. Since Max thought of his dad as corny, he didn't spend much time with him since he wanted to be seen as cool. Little did Max know, his dad was a lot cooler than he realized. Oh, that's a so perfect that's one for Father's Day, too. I like yeah. that. I think it could... I'm just going to dive in here. I think this could totally yeah. fit since Goofy has been doing the perfect cast for forever, mm -hmm. right? And... Did he talk about like it was passed down to him, like it's a family thing mm -hmm. to do the perfect cast? Yep. And it was passed down by his father, who's who had it passed down to him by his father, and so on. Yeah. And when they do it with Powerline, I mean, of course, there are dancers who can catch on to dances very quickly. However, it's right. almost like Powerline has seen this dance before. Mm -hmm. And it maybe Goofy taught it to him in the past. And yeah. so now Goofy is reminding him, hey, remember this dance? And so then Powerline joins in with them too. So I think that would be a lot of fun <laughs> to put those yeah. together. <laughs> Spencer, what do you think? It's been a while since I saw this. So I don't, I mean, I remember like visions of the movie, but I don't remember really anything about it. You don't um, remember it's the Leaning Tower I of the Chisa. Chisa. I do, I do. <laughs> Which made me obsessed with uh String, not string cheese. What is that stuff called? Bray cheese. Which made me, which made me obsessed yeah. with easy cheese. Um, easy cheese. Getting that. Of course, yeah. as a kid, I wasn't the one doing the grocery shopping, so I never got any. But <laughs> now that you've reminded me, Laura, I know I know what I'm putting on our grocery list. Oh, let's see. Hey Google. You're still not the one doing the grocery shopping, so it's not going to help you much. <laughs> hey Google, add crazy oh, cheese. God. What's it called? Hey Google, I'm add easy you. cheese onto my shopping list. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, um, sorry, thinking about it though, I got a sidebar here. Like, man, at that time, like, Pauly Shore was riding high, was he not? Mm -hmm. And oh, wow, man. did he, that. He was. I don't know yeah. who that is. He was. That's, that's the voice at, of like the guy. The peak of his career at that point. What else yeah, has he I, done? He was in um, Encino Man with yep, Brendan Fraser. Oh, okay. Now I know who you're talking about. Yeah. In yeah. the Army Now, where he, like, joins the army inexplicably and he's just doing sense. his crazy little character yeah. but he's in the like boot camp mm -hmm. it's yeah. super crazy Polly Shore falls into that. that category of actors that Nicolas Cage falls into and a few others where basically they just play themselves in every single role mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just sure. adapt Chris what's Pratt. going on around them anyway um, yeah we were talking about Goofy but we went off on yeah. Polly Shore yeah. there yes. for a minute yes <laughs> so I think it's funny that his dad's name is Goofy. I also think that I'm glad he added something to the end of the theory about the dancing thing on the concert because mm -hmm. the celebrity connection is not. That is very and, flimsy. It's not yeah. a piece of evidence in my mind at all. I just, I don't see it. And if Mickey is a celebrity, then that means that 
Donald Duck and Goofy and all of them would be celebrities, wouldn't it? That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But does Tom Cruise know Philip? Oh, not Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's gone. Seymour <laughs> Hoffman. Is Tom Cruise no Polly Shore? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's Possibly. not the best example, but you get what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, uh, I that was at first I was like no, and but then this the thing about the concert, even then I'm like okay, yes he doesn't react like he's not freaking out because there's a random person on the stage, but I'm thinking of other movies where stuff like this happens and they react the same way. Have you seen? Well, no, maybe that's not a good example either. Um, I actually can't think of any examples. For what my point is, so never mind. Well, then maybe we well, should move on to some comments. Unless Michael has yeah. something to say. Well, I was just gonna say I've seen I've seen some YouTube videos of actual real life concerts, and there have been people who have tried to run on stage, and most of the time, before they even get a chance to get close, they get laid out by some beefy security dude. So mm. there, it's very rare. Uh, artists will actually allow people to just come up on stage. And most of the time it's because they've already invited them to come up on stage. That's true. Which means that the security would need to know ahead of time that that it was allowed. But he didn't know that they were coming to the concert since they snuck in. Exactly. So Man, so Goofy's just kind of a bit of a criminal mastermind here. (laughs) Being able to get up there with no consequence. Yeah. All right, so let's, uh, like you said, let's jump into some of these comments. So this first one is from Landstool. They say, I feel it was Goofy's sweet dance moves that kept him on stage, not his face. From Powerline's perspective, he just saw a guy nearly get electrocuted. When he goes to check to see if he's all right, the guy pops up and starts shredding it with these moves that he's never even seen before. Now, he's a professional, and he's got tons of fans that probably paid a lot of money to be there, and it's being televised live, so he's not going to stop the show mid-song. Plus, he can't be held liable for injury uh, because there's now pretty solid evidence that there were no injuries. So no risk of a lawsuit. Him being the pro entertainer he is and those sweet dance moves, Powerline's going to roll with it. It's a good look for a pop star with a teenage demographic to be down to earth with his fans, and it's a better experience all around. So he probably went as far as covering for them so they didn't get arrested after the show. That's a pretty good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The next comment is from Ephemial. They say there's even a scene where both Goofy and Powerline do the same dance move at the same time, despite Goofy otherwise not knowing how Powerline dances. This could imply Powerline actually knows what Goofy is referencing with his perfect cast dance since they know each other. Good job, Laura. You already like that hit one. that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yep. Somebody else was on the same mm-hmm. wavelength as me out yep. there. <laughs> I like this um, next comment. This is my favorite. The next one's from uh, a user called First Fantasy. Uh, they say, if Powerline knew Goofy personally, then he would be terrified seeing him on stage. Destruction and injury follow him everywhere. Which I is mean, very, got a point. That's, that's a fair point. <laughs> it's a very, very yeah. fair point. Uh, next comment is Taylor Danger Torres. He says, or she says, nah, man. Goofy runs Max's cardboard cutout of Powerline in the beginning of the movie, and Goofy literally says, who was he anyway? Which leads to Max saying the best line in the whole movie. Powerline, dad. Only the biggest rock star on the planet? Yeah, I mean, that's... A good indication yep. that he doesn't know who he is. Right, but you, I mean, yeah. if Powerline's pretty young, it may be if Goofy had met him when he was a little kid, he might not recognize him, especially in that rock star getup. Would he have yeah. told him, taught him the dance or the uh, perfect cast dance when he was a little kid? Probably. Oh, okay. Like, what if it was one of those things if Powerline was like child actor first? Mm-hmm. So he was on a show, like if we're going with the whole Goofy being a celebrity and having met Powerline before, if we're going with that tangent, if it was like Goofy taping a show, like because he did children's Mickey television. Mouse Clubhouse. Yeah. And Powerline was one of the kids on the show mm-hmm. and learned the perfect cast from him. And then now here he's grown up. He hasn't seen him since they did that show when he was a kid. And now he's grown up and he's being uh, the biggest rock star on the planet. And yeah, I I could see, especially after Goofy has already ruined the cardboard cutout, it would be kind of hard to recognize him. That's good. I I like the way you're thinking. That's very clever. Thank you. I'm a pretty clever person. The next comment actually comes from me because I just thought of this. It's it's my (laughs) own kind of. What's your username? The Michael Um, Sewell original. 
Yes, that's my username, Michael Small Original. <laughs> no, I I was just sitting here thinking, what if and bear with me on this, what if Powerline was actually Goofy's first son? And like they they Goofy failed as a father with him, and Powerline, as soon as he was of age, just left for Hollywood or wherever the Disney version of Hollywood is to become a star and becomes Powerline. And Goofy sees that as such a failure and is so distraught over it that that's why he's so intent on building a good relationship with Max and not allowing the same thing to happen to Max. And that's why he was so adamant about taking him on the fishing trip and not going to see Powerline because he didn't want to go and and Mm. encourage Max to want that kind of lifestyle. That's very, I like that. That's very creative. So would you suggest that when goofy says who was he anyway he's just kind of lying mm-hmm. yeah that's okay. that's kind of where i was thinking that he he just doesn't want to let max know at that point mm-hmm. that Powerline's actually his older brother you know okay nice that's my thought okay so we have one more comment from somebody not me and it's it's a pretty good comment i think so let me let me read it from uh prefon barry is their username they say I think a much more compelling theory using basically the same evidence is that Powerline recognized Goofy from power, from stuff Powerline watched as a kid. They say, uh, your evidence already established that it's fairly likely that Mickey is a celebrity in this movie's universe, and I don't think it's a stretch to assume that while in the current events of a Goofy movie, Goofy, and possibly Donald, are no longer in the public eye. They were once somewhat famous for their television shorts with Mickey sometime in the past. Think of it this way. Within the context of a Goofy movie's uh, universe, Goofy, Donald, and Mickey were actors who starred in television-slash-theater shorts, the animated shorts that we all know in the real world, back when they were young. Long before Max was born, but possibly during Powerline's childhood. From there, we can speculate endlessly on why Goofy in this movie didn't become a huge star like Mickey. Possibly Max's mom passed away and, like... Rick Moranis, Goofy left Hollywood to be a full-time father, picking up the odd job uh, to supplement the royalties and savings he had from his acting days, and then fell into a relative obscurity as Mickey went on to be a massive star whose current body of work eclipsed those of early career shorts. But when Goofy got up on that stage and was massively electrocuted and popped right back up to keep dancing, Powerline had an instant remembrance of watching a seemingly indestructible, lanky, and odd-looking dogman in comedy shorts as a child and recognize Goofy for who he is. I like that one too. That is really sweet. Mm -hmm. My question is why would movie star Mickey be hitchhiking? I don't know. Movie (laughs) stars get into crazy stuff. Have you seen? Mm -hmm. Oh, they weren't movie stars in this, but I mean the hangover, it could be a situation like that. Maybe Mickey and and Donald went to Vegas and (laughs) had a crazy night. It was before Uber. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was before Uber. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Just had to throw that out there. Yeah, no, that was good. That was good. Mm-hmm. So uh, a little that, bit that of good... stuff we've talked about, but yeah, takes it in a different angle. I like that. It adds a more heartfelt angle, in my opinion, mm-hmm. than yeah. the other stuff that was presented. I think it's more believable than the original theory. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I guess we oh. should write our theories. unless anyone Yeah, else I was going to say, I think we're add. about there, unless you guys have anything to add. No. I don't Let's think do I do. It. Okay, cool. I'll um, go first. Me? Yeah, I was going to say, Spencer, you kick us off. This is going to be unlikely for me as well. Um, just, I just don't see it. With him, they're so different in their ages and interests. I don't think that they there who? would be... I'm sorry, uh, Powerline and Goofy. I can't imagine a situation where they would become acquaintances to the point where... Goofy would teach him this dance and Powerline would be like, oh, that is so cool. I can't wait to maybe one day randomly see you on my stage sometime and we can <laughs> dance together. <laughs> I mean, this is a this is a movie. People know choreography in movies randomly, spontaneously all the time. So I don't think that's a good point of evidence either. But that's okay. what I, where I'm where I'm at. I think this is unlikely. Okay, Laura, what did you think? Okay, as far as M&M's 0412's original theory, 
I'm going to say that's preposterous. <laughs> There's just not enough there as far as like we talked about already of, okay, so Donald is like a god uncle or whatever to Max. And, yeah. and then he's seen hitchhiking with Mickey. That is no connection between between Powerline and Goofy at all. However, I like Prefun Barry, the, the comment, that last comment that you read much. I like that much better that mm-hmm. yeah. Powerline saw Goofy when he was a kid. And then, yeah, like he did a Gene Wilder or Rick Moranis and left Hollywood after his wife died. Because there are mm-hmm. a lot of theories out there about what happened to Goofy's wife and that he mm-hmm. yeah. she died. And so yeah. now Goofy's a single dad and... Yeah, I I like Pref and Barry. I think he 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 or she they hit it out of the park with theirs. But uh, the original, the OP one, I'm gonna say preposterous. Pref and Barry, I'm gonna give that a genius. That will be my new canon. So what we are all maybe sort of in agreement on is that it's plausible that Powerline is aware of Goofy because of Goofy's time as an actor. Is that? Regardless of what the rest of the circumstances are, that's what's kind of supporting your thought, right, Laura? Yes, for me. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So my answer is going to sound very similar to one of you. Based on just the original theory that was laid out, subtracting all the comments, I honestly feel like it's preposterous as well. <laughs> I guess I was I, trying to I, be a little bit nice. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's not enough evidence and the evidence that's presented can be kind of shut down for the most part. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But if we were to go with, like Lara said, Prefenberry's comment or my own personal comment, uh, no, just Prefenberry's comment. Uh, if we were to go based <laughs> off of Yours that, counts. Hey, if you want to um, put yours in there and rate yourself as genius, that's allowed. <laughs> it's I your would show. Say mine, I would say mine I would rate as plausible, but Prefenberry's I would say is genius because I like yeah. I like what they said a lot better than what I said personally, because I love it when you can add heart to something like that. And that really, especially with Father's Day coming up, that really kind of hit me in the heart just thinking Aww. about that. So, yeah, I I am going to go with uh, Genius for Pref and Barry. So basically, it's like Powerline knows Goofy, but Goofy does not know Powerline. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Oh, and All that right. would also account for him not recognizing him, the... Mm-hmm. The cardboard cutout too. Yeah, that's good. Yep, it's like a Gen X star and then a uh, Gen Z star, essentially. Okay, it's like okay. the age gap. Me like too. a Gen X star, most likely probably wouldn't follow and keep like, up with Gen Z stars. Justin but Bieber, a Gen Z star and would have heard of Gen X. Justin mm-hmm. Bieber and Kurt Russell. Sure. What? Got it. So, <laughs> so, did you guys like that theory? Uh. No. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just too focused on the theory that I found that is about like Thor maybe being Santa due to the Odin Force. I don't know. It's gonna be a lot of fun, and I want to talk about it. But we're gonna have to wait until right after these messages. How would you like to challenge your little grey cells while reveling in the vintage perfection of David Suchet's Poirot? If so, then the Labours of a Hercule podcast was made for you. We're taking a deep dive into every episode of this masterpiece of television and giving you the clues you need to solve the case along with Poirot himself. We present the case and you solve it. Whether you're a detective in the making... Or if you just simply want to gush over the genius and art decodence of Agatha Christie... Then subscribe now now to the labors of Hercule wherever you get your podcasts. Monsters are as old as humanity itself. Monsters embody our fears. Yet, they help us define the boundaries of what it means to be human. We know most monsters aren't real. Yet, we can use monsters to learn about reality, psychology, biology, folklore, literature, critical thinking. We're on a journey to learn about the world through the lens of monsters. And we hope you'll come along with us. Subscribe at monstertalk.org. Cool. So the theory that I just talked about that we're going to dive into now is that Thor is becoming Santa due to the Odin Force. And this is from (laughs) Sabatast. What a name. (laughs) 
But I, I love what, getting f- what a pronunciation. Thank yes. you. I love yes. getting these well fun names from Reddit. All right, this theory may sound a little far-fetched, but part of it came from my 10-year-old daughter, so bear with me. Yeah, those are so the best. We're going to start out with some CYA here. <laughs> <laughs> In Infinity War, Thor was given Stormbreaker by Etri, and it was called a king's weapon. The weapon could access the Bifrost and was very powerful. It even healed Thor and restored his armor. I believe the king's weapon gave Thor access to the Odin Force, the most powerful magic in the universe. This is the first part of the theory, and it's not too crazy yet. Now, why was Thor so out of shape in Endgame? He is around 1,500 years old and spent his youth drinking, eating, and fighting, so why in five years did he gain weight and appear to let himself go? The Odin Force is why. Mm. Now, this is the 10-year-old daughter observation. Again, he's kind of like... Here's my daughter. She came up with this, but he's totally ready to shove her in front of the bus in case we don't like the theory. But here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Thor looked like Santa. Big belly, long beard, red shirt. Yes, I laughed too. But then I realized in some myths, Odin was a source for the Santa Claus story. Hmm. Mm. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. In some myths, Odin used to come to Earth and act as Santa. His eight-legged horse was a possible source for the eight reindeer. So if Odin was Santa, I figured it was his magic that allowed him to transform into Santa. Now, now (laughs) Thor has Odin's magic, (laughs) and it's transforming him into Santa. And Thor doesn't even care or even really notice because he's depressed. So too long didn't read Thor is becoming Santa due to the Odin force. This is really cute. This is like this one. This is like. Norse mythology meets the Santa Claus. Oh, just wait to read some of the comments. My my first my first question is uh will display my ignorance. Is there such a thing as the Odin Force or is this something that they made up? I'm going to clickety clackety and look at here. Look yeah, it up here. I I my Which, knowledge of Norse mythology is very surface level. I haven't I have I have something funny. Deeply. Though, yes. um, just while Lara is searching, you know how there's, there, it made me think of this because we've got the speed force with the flash. Did you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know if the show created this or if this is an actual comics thing, but they're talking about the, was it the still force? Something about the this new season. Yeah. They're talking about being in the still force. Isn't his wife is caught in it now? The still force is the natural opposite of the speed force, meaning that while the speed force is based around motion, of, around motion and moving how, forward, the st- how has this show it's not been canceled than yet? I thought. <laughs> oh okay. My gosh, I just no. yeah. So yeah, it was introduced in this show, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's par for the course for them. Okay, so that's the, the only thing that force. makes sense about it. Yeah. So according to the Marvel Cinematic Universe wiki, the Odin Force is a powerful mystical energy used by the kings of Asgard, most notably Odin, hence its name. It's the source of power of the spear Gungnir, wielded by the kings of Asgard and the Destroyer, and must be periodically replenished by entering the Odin sleep. So it is a real thing. Odin went into. In, within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the okay. Odin Force is a thing. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, all right. Do you want to discuss, or you want to read some comments? Let's. I, I say let's go to the comments first. It's so much fun. Okay. So from Skeety Speedy, as much as I'd like there to be more to it, I honestly think it was exclusively for the LOL he fat gag. That's exactly what I think. <laughs> yeah. I do appreciate though that it was a fairly accurate, if condensed, look at mental illness. This dude was massively depressed, and it looked vaguely real. Laughing and hanging out and playing games with his friends, smiling and being excited to see old faces, but still destroyed behind that little mask. It took the dude's own dead mom to snap him out of it, despite all of his incredible strength. Thor failed just like any of us could. Mm. Ouch. Yep. And do. Yes. Um, (laughs) Dr. Doom Skywalker, he got access to the Odin Force in Ragnarok. When you see Hulk pummeling him and see Odin in his vision and he wakes it up. He wakes it up. The Odin Force. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, like we just read, you have to enter into the Odin sleep in order to replenish the Odin Force. Same when Hela was beating him up and he did the same thing and calling his lightning powers to attack her and her army. 
Even in Endgame, he still had his powers as Brothor, as seen <laughs> in the final fight. Only difference is that Thanos was more ruthless this time around. <laughs> I was reading ahead. I know okay. you were. <laughs> J-Fire, J-Fire Riverk said, wait, if Thor's becoming Santa, then what the f*** happened to Tim Allen? <laughs> 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 there's uh, then the next one read the next one please okay and borkenstein where's the post-credit scene of thor pushing tim allen off a roof i'd watch this movie <laughs> <laughs> me too <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes and oh, i think we've read from dave dave midrock my first reaction to this theory was oh that's cute and silly but then i had a mental picture of fat thor going to visit tony stark's daughter dressed as santa for christmas <laughs> and if that's not the most adorable thing that could ever happen in the mcu yeah, yeah. that is really <laughs> sweet oh yeah oh my goodness i do like so going back to the original post from spatast you have to get really into it. this the fact that you know, some of the Santa Claus mythology, you know, that if you think about it region wise, as far as where it's birthed from, that would be about the same place where Norse mythology was widely known. So I could, mm -hmm. I definitely like that there is a link between Odin and Santa as far as like what they can do and, and, and what they do as coming to visit people on earth and bring or on midgard rather and bring gifts i like that they and put that in their theory i mm. that gives it some good plausibility what um, do you think well my first question not my because i've already had a question so this is another question <laughs> so odin force we're saying that thor got fat and a beard because of the odin force because it's turning him into Santa. Because remember, think about what Odin looked like. Right. Odin was kind of a portly looking man with a okay. beard. Yes. that's So that's what I'm trying to confirm. The thought behind why Thor is doing that. It's because Odin looks that way. It's because the Odin force made them look that way is what this theorizer is saying. So the Odin force made Odin look that way. Yep. And it's doing the same thing to Thor. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Michael, what are you thinking? Give us some kernels, um, some nuggets of wisdom. You're on the. We're relying on you. I mean, yeah, the show would be well, nothing you without to, you. I honestly don't have a whole lot more to add than what was presented in the theory and the comments that you guys read. I, I will say, I do like the idea of the connection between, like Lara explained, the region where, like, that's kind of where the whole Santa Claus idea mm -hmm. came from. And I could very easily see it be translated into Norse mythology and explained as that's Odin because mm -hmm. he's he's uh, like Odin, the all father. Yeah. And so there's the, the father aspect of it. And originally Santa was Papa known as Father Gijo. Christmas. Popo. <laughs> Popo <laughs> that's what it was, Popo. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Spencer, you did the face. Uh -huh. <laughs> Oh man! Um, but yeah, so I I like the connection there. I don't know. Well, does, I'll have to. Does Thor always wear red? Rating. There's always his cape is usually red. An right? aspect of red, yes, because mm -hmm. his cape mm -hmm. is is red. So that's not necessarily a Odin Force thing. No, it just it mm -hmm. could be more like a happy coincidence. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they're looking for, they're like stretching for something there. All right. Yeah. But I think yeah, that's... yeah, I think I think I'm ready to rate. I don't know about you guys. Do it. Tell me. I am. Yep. Okay, so for me, I'm going to say that this is plausible. I just the like I said before, the connection between Norse mythology and where where Santa, the idea of Santa was created and stuff. I think there's enough of a connection, and the the those regions are close enough to where there could be some crossover, people moving from one area to another, and then the stories kind of combine and just the natural course of history happens there. I wouldn't quite give it genius because I just like to believe that Tim Allen is going to be Santa Claus forever. But yeah, there's there's enough evidence for me to at least go plausible. Okay, I guess I'll go next. Oh. And I will go ahead and admit, I think that this is pretty preposterous just because, I mean, he doesn't stay like that as well as we know. And I know I'm going to get some hate because I got so mad about 
basing a theory off of a trailer last episode. <laughs> but I'm gonna base my ruling off of a trailer this episode you got hate? of Heat. I, I'm I could get hate. We could oh. get hate for this. I could, but I don't care. It's my <laughs> podcast. And <laughs> we make the rules, people. <laughs> we make the rules. So I'm gonna say, you know, we know he's not gonna stay fat and mm-hmm. he's not gonna keep the beard. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna say well, But I mean he does he's not he's not fat or has the beard at the end of Endgame. Right. Yeah, that's true. So I mean But what if what if the fat and beard is just something that is perpetually coming back? And he, all, he has to work it off time after time. Like Tim Allen. That could, that, yeah. that could be it. That wasn't it's a seasonal on here. But that's that another Michael Sewell original mm-hmm. comment. <laughs> okay, you snuck it in there. All right, all right well yes. then I guess you'll bump me up to unlikely. I'll go with unlikely. Oh, okay. Well then that still leaves me as preposterous. Um, <laughs> some people know I don't have the highest regard for Marvel Studios. Mm-hmm. I appreciate their effort, but I'm going to chalk it up to what Skeety Speedy says, that it was exclusively for the LOL he fat gag. (laughs) I mean, how many jokes were there made because he was fat and his hand in his pants sitting there with a beer? And he was just staring off. He was like asleep. Yeah, Yeah. no, that's that's all there is to it. This is preposterous. Cute. I I mean, I don't want to say that this little girl is stupid. I know. I think this is what a 10 year old... Yes. I and that hey, start the theorizers young. Yes, absolutely. Gotta I don't want to dis- going. I don't want to discourage you, little girl. Please use this as your origin story of you're trying to come around in five years with a theory that just floors us all. Yeah. Yes. When we're doing this and show, children in have five the best years. imaginations. Mm-hmm. We'll yes. be ready. Yeah. We'll, we will yeah. gladly read your theory. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. Well, Laura, Spencer, Michael. Guys, it is time to bring this episode to a close. But before we do, I do have to tell you just the other day on Reddit, I was browsing and I found this this fascinating movie detail that I just had to share with you and also our listeners. And I don't come across these very often. And so when I do, I, you know, I have to share them. Now, this is from user ST dubs and they post in Star Wars, A New Hope. Ben Kenobi makes reference to the fact that sand people single file to hide their numbers. This is an error, as the sand people are likely not taxed in any way and therefore have no reason to commit tax fraud. Single <laughs> file. Oh man. Oh, you man. just made you just made the day of so many accountants and IRS workers out there. <laughs> and Star Wars fans. <laughs> oh I, I thought that was great and relevant since the Ben Kenobi show is going on right now. So nice. Yeah. Well, uh, but yes, it's very as I feel enlightened now to learn more about the tax or the uh, the tax habits of the sand people. Oh, good. Well, this has been Fan Theory Queries. I'm Laura. I'm Michael. And I'm Spencer. Join us next time as we analyze more fan theories and ask queries such as, are the Star Wars sequels, episodes 7 through 9, nothing more than Palpatine's death vision as he falls into the abyss? Mm-hmm.